A solo mission gone wrong teaches a young pup the value of teamwork. Are you just watching episode 146, Paw Patrol, the Mighty Movie? Welcome to the podcast that shares critical thinking for the entertained Christian. I'm E. Franklin. I'm Tim Martin. And today we are going to talk about a little movie that is for little kids. And I've not watched anything having to do with the Paw Patrol, so I came into it completely blind to what might have come before the setting for... (laughs) To have missed a touchstone of cultural relevancy like that. (laughs) I know. I know. It's crazy. But hey, it was a cute movie, and we have had listeners request that we do at least one kid's movie a year. So hey, yeah. we needed to get one in here at the end of the year, and it's appropriate for, I guess, the Christmas yeah. season to talk about something that's a little less, I don't know, deep, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Our last episode was super long, so we're going to try and keep this one super short just to balance it all out. But yeah, this was a cute movie. I actually was quite entertained by it. We found it that it was streaming on Paramount Plus as well as in the theaters. Mm-hmm. So that made it a little easier for us to access from a recording standpoint. And we had to work it around the awful busy Christmas time. Yeah. And you finishing your school out for the season and me having massive deadlines at work. And, you know, <laughs> it's, it's just, you know. A normal, I, normal month. Yeah. (laughs) But we're going to get this up before Christmas, or at least before New Year's, something like that. So as you're listening to this, I hope that you've had a chance to have seen the movie. Or if you haven't, don't worry about spoilers, because we're not going to worry about them. (laughs) (laughs) This really isn't a spoiler-heavy movie. It it broadcasts pretty much everything. Yeah. Now, it's interesting to me that the music for this movie was scored by Pinar Toprik, and we have mentioned her name before, if I'm even saying it right. She (laughs) was the composer of the Captain Marvel movie, which I think at the time I didn't have a whole lot nice to say about her. Captain Marvel's score was very generic. Yeah, it used a lot of nostalgia in it, too, if I recall correctly. Yeah, it was not so much nostalgia as that she just, she did what was, I guess, like a generic superhero score. I mean, it didn't stand out as being spectacular. And of course, it had a lot of the themes in it that Marvel is known for. Yeah. So I don't know, as I'm completely unfamiliar with Paw Patrol, I have no idea whether there were already themes that she was working with for this movie, which is entirely the... I'm, possible considering the fact that it's been around for a while but this score was was pretty good i mean it's not it's not something i'd probably purchase and listen to over and over again but it's not bad at all and mm. i think it definitely sets the mood where it needs to yeah and yeah it served the movie it served the movie and i'm gonna play a little bit of it here just to set the mood for us From the standpoint of a parent who would possibly be sitting a young child down in front of this movie, I would say it is probably more acceptable than some of the offerings coming out of Disney these days. Oh, (laughs) hands down. Yeah. Didn't really catch a lot of wokeness in it. There's no mention of the many societal touch points that are such a big deal these days. It was just a good, clean mostly cleaned (laughs) movie that (laughs) dealt with issues that are, I think, important to the demographic, you know, sharing and having a better self-image and, you know, themes that we're going to talk about in a minute. So I think it was very appropriate for the audience. And I don't think that you would have any major concerns with sitting your children down in front of the TV to watch it. However, as I would caution any parent, you should, of course, watch it first 
before you set your child down in front of it. And you should watch it with your child and not just sit them down in front of it and walk away so that you are aware of whatever questions that might arise that they have while watching a movie. That's just good parenting. And yeah. So reaction other than that, I thought this movie, like some others in the classification, have a lot of cute asides to the adults who are in the room watching it. And that I always like. I like when a movie doesn't take itself too seriously. And this one knew it was a silly movie. And so it, yeah. it spoke to that in a couple of places. And obviously, one of my favorite lines that did that was the narrator actually spoke to the parents in the movie. So they got new powers, new uniforms, and new merchandise. To all the parents out there, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> there were a couple places in the movie. I think you had one, too, that you thought was... Oh, yeah. Interestingly, two of the top build names are in the movie as voices for maybe five minutes. <laughs> yeah. If that. Very beginning. Yeah. Kristen Bell and James Marston, both of whom I enjoy. But there's, at one point, she's talking to her pet fish, of course, and she says, they're cute little puppies that drive around in cars. I know that sounds weird, but just go with it. <laughs> and that summed up pretty much all my thoughts about the movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird, but just go with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, put suspension of disbelief on full overdrive. <laughs> give it a little extra gas. Yeah, because the whole concept is quite silly. Yeah. You just take it for what it is. I imagine kids get a great, great kick out of it. Oh, my grandkids it was the favorite characters for years for both my eight-year-old grandson and my six-year-old granddaughter. So we still buy them Paw Patrol stuff every once in a while. <laughs> I could see how it would be fun, but I also see how they would quickly grow out of it. Because yeah. you start asking the questions like, how do they pay for all of this tech? And <laughs> Where are the emergency services? Do they really like trust <laughs> a bunch of little puppies to like yeah. solve crime and help and provide emergency services and put out fires and everything? Yeah. Yeah. You know, if my house is on fire, I want more than a Dalmatian to show up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I appreciated how the narrator voice breaks the fourth wall quite a bit in the movie. There's a really cute scene where they're getting their whole rev up to launch on mission. <laughs> and the, the narrator's saying something about that, you know, they're launching one at a time, you know, and I can't even remember now which of the little pups says, did you say lunch? And he's like, no, I said launch. <laughs> <laughs> it was just adorable the way that, you know, all of that kind of played in. It just overall, the movie didn't take itself too seriously. And I really like yeah. that. Yeah. You know, it kept it sort of simple. Yeah. <laughs> which it needs to, because the demographic of the viewer is, what, four years old to to eight years old or thereabouts. Yeah, somewhere in that area. Yeah. Yeah. It's what, is this PG or G? I can't remember. It is PG. That's interesting. Yeah. As I said earlier, parents should never just, you know, set their kids down in front of something and watch it without... Yeah, this has got a lot of destruction and malicious intent, mm -hmm. even though, you know, you never really see the consequences of either. At one point early in the movie, this little meteor, <laughs> little, <laughs> this meteor comes down and, and goes right down Main Street. And instead of creating a, you know, a 600 megaton blast like it would, <laughs> it just carves this trench down Main Street. And nobody got hurt because the exactly. Paw Patrol got everybody evacuated inside buildings with glass windows, which I thought was really protection. Where they all stood and watched. <laughs> but you can't apply adult thinking to it. <laughs> yeah. And then they took cover behind, you know, the occasional car and inside mailboxes, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, shockwaves don't go through eighth-inch tin. Or glass, for that matter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> One of my thoughts was I, I thought watching a movie with the mind of a six-year-old would be easier than it was. <laughs> yeah. 
it was really hard to sit there and, and not think <laughs> that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's like, what are they doing? That's not going to... That, oh, well, I could... Okay. okay. <laughs> you know, at the very first scene, you know, where the, the scrapyard is, like, burning down and, and they're, like, plowing in on this big ship and they... Yeah. <laughs> they come to stop and drop these ramps and like in seconds they're on their way. And it's like, okay, number one, it would take a whole lot longer for that ship mm-hmm. to dock. And number two, those ramps would not come down that quickly. Hydraulics just don't work that fast. This 10-year-old kid is piloting this aircraft carrier ship. Yeah. And does the equivalent of a power slide into the dock. Yeah. <laughs> and just kisses it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, but you know, that's a kind of excitement that that demographic loves. Yeah. 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 Uh, they're learning what consequences are to action and believe that the hero can, you know, take it right up to the edge, but not cause any damage. Right. Right. And you don't want to like throw a lot of trauma at that age group either. I mean, that's like. Oh, yeah. I'm just trying to remember how old I was when I watched Robotech. That came out in the late 80s. Was it the late 80s? I was thinking it was the late 70s. Oh, you know what? I might be thinking of Star Blazers. The first one came out in 86. So, yeah, it was the late 80s. So I would have been a teenager when I was watching it. Mm-hmm. I remember getting really hooked in, into the, the storylines of that. And that was a much more complex. That and... There was a sub one, too. I can't remember what that, Thunder Sub or something like that. And I remember really enjoying Thundercats, which is nowadays, if you go back and watch Thundercats, it's like completely stupid. It's like, how did I get (laughs) so wrapped up in that, you know? Thundercats was the same level of stupidity as the the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon, Uh, uh, with almost the same characters. Yeah. Just in different bodies. Probably even some of the same voices, for that matter. Yeah, Thundercats was mid-80s. Yeah. Yeah, I remember, (laughs) I had a crush on Lionel, you know? It's like, oh, he was just like, oh, he was just, oh. But The boys want to be him, and the girls want to snuggle up to him. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, anyway, off off topic, but that was you know that's yeah. kind of like the mindset we have to like remember what we liked when we were that age, oh, yeah. you know. And it doesn't yeah. make any sense now when you watch it, and you're like, how did I ever watch that and enjoy it? But the kids do like this kind of stuff, so it's you know there there were a number of things in the movie that I was surprised because if the bad guy had succeeded, it would have gotten really really dark really. violently messy yeah. yeah very dark really quick yeah the scene where humdinger grows into a giant and and is trying to step on the paw patrol yeah they all get out of the way and they save everybody but you know every little kid knows what happens when you step on an ant yeah so that one sort of you know <laughs> it makes me wonder yeah but a lot of these kids have already been exposed to much more complex and dark stories, you know, like... Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's hard to shield them from them, to be honest. So, if especially if you have them playing in your house, like if you've watched the Marvel movies and you've had your little kids, you know... Very true. Yeah. There's parts of those that are super dark, so... So they're exposed to it. I did appreciate one last mm-hmm. thing I wanted to say was I did it. I thought it was kind of funny how they dealt with Humdinger as a politician because <laughs> there's these lines in there where they break out of prison and he says, it's just so nice to be reunited with my adoring public. And they're like, I didn't vote for you. Me neither. You're the worst mayor the city's ever had. <laughs> He's like, this is why I hate free and fair elections. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting commentary on crooked politicians in the middle of a kid's movie. <laughs> like Almost current events. Yeah, it really reflects the way a lot of our, our public feelings for politicians right now. So Yeah. It was interesting. You know, it's like, go ahead and, and seed that thought into children at an early age. Politicians are corrupt. You can't trust them. At least, you know, it, it's an equal opportunity in soldiers. Yeah, you know, yeah. it, it's not on either side yeah. of the political spectrum programming the kids. Yeah, and there's not a big R or D after his name, so it's not like they're <laughs> pointing fingers at any particular party. Yeah. But, 
Yeah, it was funny. I, I thought that, that really stood out to me simply because I am politically attuned to it these days. So, yeah. Yeah. The last thought I had was how a kid's movie sort of reminds me of parables. Mm-hmm. It keeps a focus on the lesson and keeps everything else very plain, vanilla, stereotype, and the other characters are all flat. The round characters, the three-dimensional characters are where all the focus is. I can see how it makes the learning easier, and it reminds me, Matthew thirteen ten through 13, and I think I might have used this one recently. Then the disciples came up and asked him, why are you speaking to them in parables? And he answered, because the secret of the kingdom of heaven has been given for you to know, but it has not been given to them. For whoever has will, more will be given to him, and he will have more than enough. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. That is why I speak to them in parables, because looking they do not see, and hearing they do not listen or understand. And I was thinking that that sort of sums up a a young child's mind, because they see everything in a very selfish viewpoint. Mm -hmm. All about how it affects them, how it impacts their life, and how they can live through it. And, and you know, a lot of people barely ever grow out of that. Yeah. You know, it, it's not the depth that Christ is talking about here. It's not the mysteries of God and the universe. But it, it is an element, there's a, a parallel between the blindness of a child to all the nuance of everything that they see. Right. And the blindness of an, an unbeliever who has not yet had their eyes open. And really, it all boils down to a lack of experience. It's like, because yeah. the more you experience the world or in your parallel experience your faith and, and walking with the Lord, the more you you learn, you know, because experience is the the biggest form of, of education, basically. And so, yeah. you know, children don't have a great deal of experience. They don't. They haven't been exposed to a lot of things that would give them a broader context for, you know, what's going on. And so their lessons have to be fairly simple. And that goes for a new believer as well. Their experience with walking with the Lord is minimal. And so they have to they have to do a lot of learning before they can branch out. And I think that's what is so sad, just to kind of go off on a teensy bit of a bunny trail, in, <laughs> when you have new believers who are well-known. I don't know how many of you are are familiar with Allie Stuckey. She has a channel on YouTube that she discusses a lot of theological and Christian things. She's a Christian slash conservative commentator, and she does mostly interviews and some just like coverage of social and political events on her mm. relatable show. And she had on not too long ago an interview with Kat Von D., who is a tattoo artist best known from LA Inc. Kat Von D has quite a following in like Instagram and YouTube and various other places, but she has recently converted to Christianity. And, and I mean that in the most personal way, mm-hmm. because in watching this interview, her eyes just really super speak to the, you know, just the softness and the brightness of her eyes. It's like you can just see in that her soul has been reignited by her love for Christ. And you can really see that because people who are not saved, a lot of times when you look in their eyes, they're just kind of dead inside. And she is so mm. much alive with Christ. And But she's a new Christian. And so in the aspect of what you were speaking about with experience and children and, and how Jesus, you know, kind of spoke to that in his parables, yeah. Yeah. I was thinking, you know, it's kind of sad in our culture that you know, you have a lot of these new believers who are well-known, like celebrity Christians, mm-hmm. who are expected to just suddenly behave as if they know everything. And they're baby mm. Christians, and they need to, you know, they need to crawl before they walk, and they need to walk before they run. And they have yeah. to build the experience of faith over time and learn doctrine and theology and all this kind of stuff. And yet, because they're in the public eye, everybody just suddenly expects them to know everything that they need to know, you know, as public Christians. And it, yeah. it's a reminder, you know, what you were saying here is that, you know, as a child, you start out learning simple stuff, 
because you don't have the experience to know something deeper. And so you need to be able to have the yeah. time to, to grow and to experience and to learn through experience. And so, yeah, I think that's a, a, a very interesting insight into this movie and just the genre in, in total, you know. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Before we get into our theme discussion, I do want to remind you that you can be supporting our podcast. Are You Just Watching is listener supported. And we want to thank our current patrons, Isaiah Santiano, Craig Hardy, Stephen Brown II, David Lefton, and Peter Chapman, who have been giving to us on a monthly basis at a $5 or more a gift a month. And above that, we do appreciate those who share and like our podcast and, and, you know, spread the news about us because word of mouth is the most valuable advertising we can do. And so we just want to remind you that if you like what you hear here and you know people who like, you know, deep discussions about movies, then please share our podcast with them because absolutely that is important to us. You can give to us monthly if you want to. You can do that by going to our Patreon page, which you can get to by either way. Are you just watching dot com slash Patreon or Patreon dot com slash Are you just watching? They'll take you to the same place. And we thank you so much for supporting our podcast and what we do here. Mm. All right. So probably the biggest theme in this movie, and it is a shallow child's movie. So there, it's not like we're going to get really <laughs> in depth in these discussions, but there was something that just really just screamed out in this movie. And it was all about, well, it kind of based on a phrase that's said multiple times throughout the movie, no pup too small. It's like the motto. Yeah, it's a theme for the entire show and previous movie. Right, right. So it's like the motto of the Paw Patrol, you know, no no pup too small. But in this instance, it really, I, I don't know whether this was dealt with as much in the show or the other movie or whatever, but uh, Sky's backstory is really prevalent in this movie. And she is the smallest of the Paw Patrol and doesn't appear to be growing, which they kind of make the point that some of the other puppies are growing and outgrowing their their suits and, and mm-hmm. clothes that I, I didn't know dogs wore. <laughs> Surely you have seen dogs wearing outfits. Yes, I have. It's it's kind of silly. but Yeah, yes. and it makes me feel sorry for the dog. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, Skye has this... A character arc that is like the dominant thing that's going on in the movie that, you know, she feels small and powerless and weak. And she gets this power from the meteor that, you know, doesn't destroy Adventure City when it falls. Just destroys the pup tower. Convenient that. Yeah. So, yeah. That was just for the record. That was another point where I was like, but wait a minute, shouldn't it be hitting the observatory? (laughs) Because that's where it was pulled to, but hey, you know. She lost control of it, so it didn't, yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, the basic arc of her story, you know, is that she has managed to get as far as she is in life by trying really hard and and persevering and endurance and all of that, just never giving up and has proved herself. Never surrender. Never surrender. Yeah. She has proved herself to Ryder. And so when she's the first that gets you know, the powers from the crystal out of the meteor, mm-hmm. it, she, she's able to fly and she's super strong, which is like, you know, number one, Sky is her name and she's the only one that pilots an actual aircraft yep. in the group. So flying kind of makes sense. And then on top of that, she's the weakest. So now she becomes the strongest. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in our second theme, you know, how the crystals kind of inflate, you know, the the characteristics of mm-hmm. each puppy. I just found it interesting with her that she's always measuring herself against others and, you know, that she feels small and weak. And so that measurement is, you know, is how she's stacking herself up against other people or the other puppies. Even when they had the little puffballs come in and they were like, oh, look, we're almost as big as you. (laughs) So it's like everything was just like a dig meant to make her feel even smaller, you know, and weaker and and then there was another dog in the, the pup patrol named Liberty. And when they all get powers, she gets a crystal, but she mm-hmm. can't figure out what her power is. So there's this long montage of her trying to have the powers of the other puppies. So she's like, I have the fire paw. No, I have, I'm a wrecking ball. And then she's, yeah. you know, it's like, 
And then even after they all depart and leave her behind, she's still over there trying to figure out what her power is. And it's because she's measuring herself against the other dogs. So she thinks, you know, I must be just like them and not seeing her own unique, you know, contribution to the group as a whole. So both of them really stand out as having this issue of measuring themselves against other people. And then the villain, <laughs> well, I'll let you take the villain. <laughs> so there there are two villains. The first one, the, the main villain, the main antagonist for this movie is a, uh, a scientist who gets angry when people call her mad. She's mad, scientist. <laughs> and then there's Mayor Humdinger from the first movie in the series. When he finally gets a crystal... He <laughs> turns grows. into a giant. Yes, yeah. <laughs> he, he he grows to the size of his ego. Yeah, and <laughs> when he does, he tries to stomp out the competition. Yeah, Victoria Vance is your classic bully, which I oh, think yeah. is really important to put into a movie like this because when you know, like the smallest and the weakest child in school. Is typically the one that gets, you know, picked on by the bully. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's good that the movie addresses the villain in the aspect of a bully, because that's yeah. what kids know. Yeah. That's the villains in their lives are the bullies, you know. And I think it's interesting that they show this bully as having the same issue. She measures herself mm -hmm. against what other people see her. And she is annoyed by that. She has a low self-image that she's combating by trying to give herself more power. Right. And when she wears the crystal, she literally gets power. She gets the power of electricity. Right. Yeah. The actress who plays her played Katherine Johnson in Hidden Figures. Oh, cool. I didn't even, well, because we didn't actually see her. She's an animated character, but well, yeah. that's cool. So, yeah, this whole thing about measuring yourself against others and and having issues with that is actually dealt with in Scripture. And it's something that we're cautioned against doing. In Galatians 6, 4 through 5, it says, Let each person examine his own work, and then he can take pride in himself alone and not compare himself with someone else. For each person will have to carry his own load. So it's a whole lot easier to carry your own load than to try and carry someone else's load. Yeah. I'm not talking about Jesus's teaching about, you know, doing unto others or whatever. I'm talking about your own burden in life. You have to tow your own line. You can't like try and, and do it the way other people would do it. It's mm -hmm. it's your own struggle. And then in 2 Corinthians 10, 12 through 18, which is kind of a long one, but it's actually the context of this is Paul is talking about how he has been helpful to the church. And you'd have to go and read the whole chapter to kind of yeah. put it in, <laughs> in place. But well, let me just go ahead and read it. For we don't classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves, but in measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves to themselves, they lack understanding. We, however, will not boast beyond measure, but according to the measure of the area of ministry that God has assigned to us, which reaches even to you. For we are not overextending ourselves if we have not reached you, since we have come to you with the gospel of Christ. We are not boasting beyond measure about other people's labors. On the contrary, we have the hope that as your faith increases, our area of ministry will be greatly enlarged, so that we may preach the gospel to the regions beyond you without boasting about what has already been done in someone else's area of ministry. So let the one who boasts boast in the Lord, for it is not the one commending himself who is approved, but the one the Lord commends. So basically what he's saying is, is that this is not how we're not classifying ourselves based on our works, but on the furtherance of the gospel. It's not what right. we do. It's how the gospel is spread. So from a Christian standpoint, it's not about how we build ourselves up or how, you know, how we compare ourselves to what others are doing, because everybody has their own work that they are uh, called to do under Christ. It's like, 
Some are called to sing, some are called to teach, some are called to spread the gospel, some are called to street preach, or do many of the things that not everybody can do, though we are all to share the gospel. It's just that we all have a different way of doing that, and we, we can't supersede or compare ourselves to how other people do it. Yeah. Because it's all in how the gospel spread. It's not to bring glory back to us. And I think that that's where the Western church kind of fails a little bit, is that it turns the gospel into a gambit that you use in order to create a platform. And speaking as as a podcaster, I have a platform. Yeah. Not a big one. Not a massive one. That's all right. I'm not out here to like grow this platform to to bring glory to myself. The whole point is to bring glory to God. And if the whole point of the platform that you are creating with the the gospel of Jesus Christ is to bring glory back to you, then you're doing it for the wrong reason. And we can't compare ourselves. This little podcast that we do, we've been doing for years. You know, if we started comparing ourselves to some of the bigger name podcasts, we would feel, you know, like we're nobodies and just quit. Mm-hmm. But we fill a niche. We do what we enjoy doing. And we, hopefully our listeners hear our heart and that we're doing this for the Lord and that it's not about platforming ourselves and becoming rich and famous for it. But it's all about Wait, the furtherance. Is of that a an option? <laughs> no, actually, I don't think it is. Okay. <laughs> podcasting is not the way to get rich and famous. <laughs> YouTube channels, maybe, but not podcasting. Oh, and here I was going to work on the TikTok. Oh, ugh. Yeah. Did you have anything else you wanted to say on that? I had put a quote in here from Vance, which just shows how she responded, you know, in comparison or in contrast, really, to how the the pups respond throughout the movie. It's near the end where she has stolen all the crystals and is flying around on this electrical energy. And one of the characters, Sky yells, stop, what you're doing is dangerous. People could get hurt because she was pulling in all the meteors she could. Mm -hmm. And Victoria responds, and why should I care about other people? They never cared about me. No matter how smart I was, they laughed at me and called me a mad scientist. So I took matters into my own hands. I promised myself I'd never let anyone make me feel small and insignificant ever again. And this is the line that they hold up in comparison to the good guys. And one thing I was sort of interested in, Victoria, by the end of the movie, she doesn't learn the lesson. You know, all the the kids' movies, I remember, the the bad guy has a learning moment. Yeah, an epiphany, a come-to-Jesus moment, however you want to put it, where they understand that they were wrong and promised to walk a more righteous path, but she doesn't. Well, maybe they need a new villain for the TV show or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but They're banking her. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's interesting, too. I thought that their distraction for rescuing Skye was to send the little puffballs to the door to sell yes. cookies. She actually was, like, distracted by that. And I'm like, I can't think of any villain in the world who would, like, sit down there in the doorway talking to little puppies, no less, about cookies. <laughs> When she's in the middle of drawing all these meteors. Yeah. <laughs> in the middle she, of her dangerous And she plot. knows she's against the Paw Patrol, yet she goes out of her way to talk to puppies. <laughs> Maybe she wasn't that smart. Yeah. It could be. I don't know. It just seemed like... I know that when somebody comes to my door selling stuff, I usually... I either don't answer the door or I say yeah. I'm not interested and slam it in their face. Well, I don't slam it in their face, but I say thank you very much. And close I open the door. the door and say, can't you read? No soliciting. <laughs> Aren't we such villains? And the kid runs away crying, you know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I just thought that was interesting that their distraction to rescue Sky yeah. to send the puppies to her door to sell cookies that they don't even have. It's like. I, I actually, you know, they they did a good job making up, oh, no, we're out of that one. <laughs> oh, and you'll get these in six weeks. That seems kind of long, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, well, before we go on to our one and only other theme, I do want to remind you how you can connect with us. And so the the first and foremost, the best way is to come in and discord, which is where we're currently recording this. So if you were in discord and saw us recording, you could pop in and listen to us live. 
so you can join us in Discord and you can get there by going to areyoujustwatching.com slash Discord. That'll give you an invitation to our, join our server. We'd love to have you come join us. You can also join our Facebook discussion group, which you can get to by going to areyoujustwatching.com slash community. You can follow our page on Facebook as well that I almost always manage to post our episodes on there if you're not subscribed already to get automatically get our podcast. That's a good way to keep track. You can comment on the show notes for this episode, which will be at areyoujustwatching.com slash 146. You can also call us at 513-818-2959, leave a voicemail, or you could text that number. It's a Google voice number, so you can text it just like you would a cell phone number. Our email address is feedback at areyoujustwatching.com. And I will mention this, I was actually on the Theology Throwdown last week and made the comment that people could actually review movies and send us the reviews. And I know I haven't mentioned that in a really long time, but if somebody, you know, went to see a movie that we've not talked about and you want to give a brief review, you can send us an audio file to our email address and I will actually include that in one of our shows. I'll make room for it. Absolutely. And you can type one out and we'll read it. If you have a short review you want to send us typed out, I, I will read it on the the podcast to share your insights with the rest of our listening audience. So that is an option. We are open to hearing what other people are, have to say about movies that we ourselves are not reviewing. So feel free to send those in. Don't, don't forget to share our podcast. That's the biggest deal. I know I've already said that once before, but please share our podcast with other people. Our final theme is a kind of a continuation of the first one, not mm-hmm. not comp- not measuring yourself against others and not going solo because, you know, Sky's problem is that because she's the weakest, when she gets the power, she feels like the strongest. And Ryder makes the mistake of sending her on a solo mission, which was actually a trap. Mm-hmm. And so she loses her crystal. And then she gets very upset about losing her crystal and decides to steal all the other pup's crystals to go after her crystal and ends up losing them all. Yeah, borrow. Borrow the borrow. crystals. She'll have them back before anybody noticed. Well, I think she literally said that. Yeah, she did. I'll get mine back and have theirs back by morning and they'll never know I was gone. The issue with going solo is that sometimes, and I think she should have already learned her lesson because she went, she was at her strongest when she went up Mm-hmm. to rescue the plane and was caught the trap to begin with. And she should have realized that going solo when you don't have somebody to back you up to, you know, cover your weaknesses with their strengths that that leaves you vulnerable. And she put herself in a very vulnerable position because of that. And it's a reminder, I think, of probably the strongest theme. And and yes, I know we have dealt with this numerous times. <laughs> Once or twice. It is a theme that tends to find its way into movies on a very regular basis. Yeah. But it's a theme that really applies very much to Christian living. And so that's why we can't let it pass by, no matter how many times we deal with it. It is the strength of the body of Christ is in our teamwork as believers, that we Mm -hmm. don't all have the same gifts. We don't all have the same purpose. And so when we join together as believers, we are stronger together than we ever are solo. We can't do it by ourselves. This is not a solo occupation, not a solo calling. Even those who lead like our pastors and our theologians and our, you know, our ministry leaders throughout the world, they require the support of trustworthy employees and congregants to stand and uphold them. It reminds me of, is it the story of Moses and the Israelites who were in war? And and as long as he held his hands up, they prevailed. But if he got tired and lowered his hands, that they would lose. And Mm. so I don't recall that one. Okay, so this is Exodus 17. They are fighting the Amalekites, and they came, Rephidim, Amalek came and fought against Israel. Moses said to Joshua, select some men for us and go fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the hilltop with God's staff in my arm. And Joseph did as Moses had told him and fought against Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. While Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. 
and whenever he put his hand down, Amalek prevailed. When Moses' hands grew heavy, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat down on it. Then Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until the sun went down. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his army with the sword. Mm. So Aaron and Hur hold his arms up. So the reason I bring that story up is that even our leaders require the support you know, they can't do it by themselves. It's not like yeah. a solo thing because they will grow weary and they will grow tired and they need those of us to stand up and uphold them and, you know, gift them with our strength and our endurance to hold them up and to lift them up and to help them excel and do well. So it's all a matter of our our commitment to Christ and doing what we are best at and, and plugging that into the community. Before you move on from that, I wanted to comment that the teamwork theme, which, yes, we've we've seen quite a bit. The teamwork theme, when you take it to the next level, is also a theme of community. And it reflects how it's important that everybody works towards the same goal. And I think this is a more, uh, probably one of the most important lessons that young kids can learn these days, because society recently has been focusing on selfishness, yeah. The whole cancel culture and, you know, redefinition of hate speech and all of that. That's all about how other people make us feel and they can't make us feel bad regardless of what we are doing or thinking. And that's anti-community. Yeah. That is everybody serves me and I don't serve anyone else. Right. So... You know, I think we could see more teamwork type things in kids' movies. I would like to see more. Yeah. And see kids coming out of it, not just with the sense of, okay, yeah, we're all on the kickball team together. And, you know, he's a good kicker and and she's a good fielder. And, you know, she's a great pitcher, roller, or whatever that position would be called in kickball. But also... You know, understanding how the entire class depends on each other to really succeed and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is definitely, we are living in a me culture. It's all about me. Yeah. And how I feel about something. And But yet, in this instance, it's like the powers that each pup got reflected their unique contribution to the team. It's like each one of them brought something different to the team. And their powers you know, all show that even Liberty, who doesn't even figure out what her power is until, you know, the crucial moment when it, her flexibility comes into play. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, that is the way we are as Christians. It's like we each have a specific gift the Spirit grants us and a specific calling that plugs into the community in a specific way that supports the entire body. So in First uh, Peter 4.10, it says, just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the very grace of God. So we don't get these gifts to be self-serving. It's not about us. It's about the body. It's about serving others with what God has given us. Yeah. And so teamwork is not about, well, most teamwork is about winning. But in this instance, teamwork is more about, like you said, the community of it. It's like, yeah. It's like the building up of the entire team. And what I loved about this movie was that entire picture of how they had one crystal. So there's six of them, but they were all using one crystal and they were like passing it off as as they were fighting the villain. And, you know, at each instance where a particular pup's gift would be the correct power in use at any particular time in this fight, they would switch to the the crystal to that pup and by doing so they were able to rescue sky and then bring sky out and the, even then it wasn't sky who brought the villain down it was actually the the water paul whatever yeah. whichever pup that was so it's like they all teamed up together not just in a common purpose but in realizing which gift was needed in any particular time so they were able to trade it off in a right. very coordinated effort, which was just beautiful from the standpoint of proper team dynamics. Yeah, and every time they traded it off, they the person who traded it, the person who handed it off, lost its power. And mm-hmm. 
at no time do any of them go, oh, I can do this part. Yeah. Yeah, it's like they learned Sky's lesson. Sky may not have learned yeah. it right away, but they learned Sky's <laughs> lessons. I like, can't do this by myself. I have to to be willing to let go of it and pass it on to someone else and, yeah. and keep it moving, you know, through the group. When they're handing off the crystal back and forth, and, and I I got to say, this was actually my favorite part of the movie. It, of course, it's, it's a climactic battle. It's the big lesson yeah. learned scene. It, it's supposed mm-hmm. to be the favorite part. Right. It really did show the humility of the pups versus the selfish, proud nature of Victoria. And Romans 12, 3 through 7, really highlights this as how we're supposed to be as Christians, too. For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly, as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching, in teaching. If exhorting, in exhortation. Giving with generosity. Leading with diligence. Showing mercy with cheerfulness. And that's exactly how we saw the the pups at the very end, you know, after the lesson has been learned and and the audience needed a demonstration. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because then they cap that off with Sky doing a solo mission and succeeding. So yeah. it's, it's like they learn the lesson that there is an appropriate place for each gift and you plug that into where it goes. And Technically, you know, Ryder needed to learn the lesson, too, because he's the one who had to, Mm -hmm. you know, send these pups off into specific missions. He Hopefully he learned that he's not supposed to send them off on solo (laughs) missions. At least he acknowledged it when he had to do it at the end. He was like, all right, Sky, you're the only one who can do this. Right. And then he tries to call her back and she goes on on her own. But, yeah, you know, the issue that is also interesting in that is that the reason that they were able to get one crystal back was because the villains divided themselves so instead of there was no teamwork it's like she gave humdinger a crystal and he went off to go stomp the pups yep he didn't stick around to cover vance's evil plot to bring it all just occurred to me it would have been funny if he had gotten too big for his britches (laughs) yeah it was really interesting that his clothes grew with him and shrank with him, yeah. too. That was very interesting. <laughs> the, those crystals are amazing, I'll tell you what. Yeah, they are. <laughs> but that was just kind of like you had the two separate stories there. You had the pups who learned teamwork, which they already kind of knew teamwork because they were already doing teamwork. It was just that they had to demonstrate that lesson with power. And then the villains actually showed what happens when you divide, you know, mm. when you're not together. It's yeah. like when you're divided you fall because you don't you don't have that protection of being in a team. Hey, that's a pretty handy saying. We should we should copyright that or something. <laughs> United we stand, divided we fall. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, that's what we saw in this movie. There's probably a couple more small things we could talk about. I did notice that, you know, this whole end of the movie where sky is like defeating the big meteorites that are coming in and then the big giant one that she blasts through it made me think of captain marvel which i thought Mm. was really interesting that the composer of the music for this did captain marvel and then you know the main character of this movie kind of does a captain marvel at the end now i sort of want to go back and listen to the soundtracks of each and see if it might have been subliminal yeah I don't know. It could be. It also kind of ties it. I mean, if you're thinking from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, there's also a scene in both the Avengers and Iron Man 3 that kind yeah. of fit as well with that that mm-hmm. final thing. So you, you could kind of tie in a, a multiple of characters into what's... I mean, it's a trope. It's something that gets done in movies all and the you time. Know, the movie, I think it would have been complete with that final fight. 
except they had established yeah. that she had started pulling in all those asteroids, so they feel they had to address it. Right. Yeah, it's like, what do we do? We've got, we've now created this really spectacular uh, meteor fall. But- so we're going to undo some of the stuff by sending the <laughs> pup on a solo mission. You know, she breaks out the guns, and I'm like, why is this the first time we're seeing that? Yeah, <laughs> that she has guns. Couldn't she have used yeah. those before this? <laughs> well, I guess she wasn't really in a, <laughs> a shooting. Shooting is only a last resort. Well, that concludes our 2023 season. So we're thank you so much for listening to us for another year. And I don't know what we'll do in January, but we'll figure mm. something out. I do want to mention that there have been a couple movies that came out in December that maybe not everybody has heard of. Number one is The mm. Shift, which is out by Angel Studios. They're the same ones that do The Chosen, and they they were very popular for the Sound mm-hmm. of Freedom movie that came out this summer. The Shift is a science fiction, actually, and I haven't seen it myself. I've heard some good things about it. Don't know that it's going to be in theaters much longer. I think it will be on a vain angel when it's out of theaters, but it is currently in theaters. And then the other movie that I want to mention, but requires a Daily Wire subscription to watch, is Lady Ballers. And I have seen it. It is absolutely hilarious. <laughs> it brings back the true meaning of comedy, which is to seriously mock culture. And Oh, I've seen a trailer for this. The guys who decide they're going to cross-dress in order to be good at something. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're basically taking the whole transgender movement and setting it on its ear, but specifically men defeating women in women's sports. So it's hilarious. In making the movie, The Daily Wire basically had to make it themselves because no self-respecting actor who wants to survive Hollywood would even go near it with a 10-foot <laughs> pole because we have such a massive cancel culture. So pretty much acted by all of The Daily Wire people. <laughs> It is absolutely hilarious. I know a lot of people are getting just like a monthly subscription to Daily Wire, just subscribing to, you know, for a month just to see the movie. It's worth it. It really is hilarious. And maybe, I don't know whether Tim would be one of, Tim would want to watch it and and review it, but it's funny. I I recommend going and and getting your hands on it if you can. I know that they probably may eventually release it because I know that their What is a Woman documentary was eventually released on. I call it Twix now, um, Twitter oh, X. Twix. <laughs> Everybody always starts to say Twitter and then change it to X, so it's Twix. Yeah, but it, but it's all right. But anyway, you can watch the What is a Woman documentary on Twix now. And so eventually it may get out to where a point where you can actually watch it without it being behind a paywall, but it is hilarious. I did want to mention those couple <laughs> movies. I don't know what we'll, I'll have to, we'll have to look and see what's coming out in January or early January because we don't want to go too late. Maybe even over the Christmas holiday, we'll find something to watch because usually there's some big movies that come out around Christmas time. We'll have to see. Yeah. See what, what comes out. But anyway, thank you so much for listening. I'm E. Franklin. I'm Tim Martin. And don't just watch. The Christian Podcast Community is a cohesive group of like-minded Christian podcasters proclaiming the truths of Christ with expertise and passion in the areas of theology, church history, Christian living, evangelism, apologetics, parenting, homeschooling, sermons, and much, much more. So check us out at christianpodcastcommunity.org. One stop for all your favorite Christian podcasts, christianpodcastcommunity.org.